Hello and welcome to Wall Street Vision, a show that explores investment ideas from the best investors in history. I'm your host, Vlad. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. The podcast host and guests may contain positions in the securities discussed. Warren Buffett is considered to be one of the best investors of all time. There's lots of great lessons to learn from him. In today's episode, I want to focus on taking a look at when Warren Buffett bought American Express in the 1960s. I think you can learn a lot about investing by looking at the best investors and analyzing their thinking for their most successful investments. It's kind of like a modern-day general studying ancient battles to become a better general. Let's dive right into Warren Buffett's purchase of American Express. By the way, for my international listeners, American Express is also known as Amex. This happened around 50 years ago, and at the time, there was a lot of publicity around American Express because of a salad oil scandal. When I was doing research for this episode, I had to do a double take. I mean, a salad oil scandal? Are you serious? But yes, there was a scandal that caused the share price of Amex to drop by over 40% in the 60s. Here's how it went down. So this guy named Tino D'Angelis owns a vegetable oil company called Allied Crude Vegetable Oil. Tino's a bit of a shady character. Earlier in his career, he got into trouble for supplying schools with beef from uncertified sources. Like, can you believe this guy? Selling tainted beef to school children to make a few dollars. Based on that, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he's not the most ethical person. Well, this Tino guy starts thinking, forget about the mystery meats. Let's kick it up a notch. So he does this scheme where he gets huge container ships, and the containers are supposedly filled with vegetable oil, but really they're not. Each container is filled with oil at the top and has water underneath. Since oil is less dense than water, it rises to the top. So the cargo inspectors see the oil at the top of the containers, but they don't realize that there's only a thin layer of oil on the surface and that each container is mostly water. The reason Tino is doing this is that he's able to use the vegetable oil as collateral to get huge loans. So he takes out these massive loans worth over $180 million while using the vegetable oil containers as collateral. Of course, we know that vegetable oil containers are just filled with mostly water. So how does American Express come into the picture? Well, Amex owns this tiny little subsidiary company that certified the inventory for Tino's water-filled containers. So the subsidiary got swindled and put their stamp of approval saying that the containers are filled with only oil. So essentially, the subsidiary is liable for damages because they didn't do a proper inspection of the inventory. Since they didn't do the proper inspection, Tino was able to take out those huge loans, pretending like he had this massive amount of vegetable oil. And not only did the subsidiary not do a proper inspection, but at one time they were certifying that Tino's little company had more salad oil than the Department of Agriculture listed in the whole country. So you can see why the subsidiary might be found liable and negligent in this case. Since Amex owns the subsidiary, they would be liable as well. Now the crazy thing is that while all of this is happening, Amex is not a typical corporation. It's a joint stock company. That means that the shareholders of Amex technically had unlimited liability for its losses. 
you can see how this is super scary for Amex shareholders. If a court finds the subsidiary liable for messing up the inventory certification, and Amex goes bankrupt paying out the settlement, then the court can go after the shareholders to get extra money for the settlement. That's crazy. Can you imagine? Let's say you buy a stock and it goes bankrupt. And on top of the stock going to zero, someone calls you and says, oh, by the way, please send us $1,000 to pay back those fraudulent loans that you had nothing to do with. So not only did your stock go to zero, but you now have to pay out of pocket because the company screwed up. That's a wild situation. On top of that, there are some big institutional investors who sell a ton of Amex shares because they're scared. The institutional investors don't want to deal with the potential of the stock going to zero, and then on top of that having to pay out of pocket to the loan companies that got swindled by Tino. So this massive selling by big institutional players drives the stock price way down. Back to the story. So Warren Buffett sees Amex in distress, and he estimates that after all is said and done, the most likely settlement might be between 60 to 100 million dollars. He figures that Amex will probably survive this without going bankrupt. He thinks that the shareholders won't need to come and give their own personal money to pay the banks back for their fraudulent loans. So Warren Buffett buys the stock after its value goes down by over 40%. Now there's several things worth discussing here. The first is that Warren Buffett used something called scuttlebutt when he bought Amex. Scuttlebutt is such a strange word. This scuttlebutt concept was first coined by Phil Fisher in his book called Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits. Phil Fisher was a really great investor that influenced people to invest in growth stocks. As you can imagine, scuttlebutt is a strange word to say when you're a professional investor handling millions of dollars for clients. So today's scuttlebutt is referred to by a much more professional sounding phrase. Today's scuttlebutt is referred to as channel checks. So what is scuttlebutt, aka what are channel checks? Essentially, it's when you go outside of the company that you're researching in order to get additional information to either support or counter your investment idea. Most analysts spend a lot of time getting information about the company from inside the company. Even financial statements that are audited, the data for those statements still comes from within the company, so there may be some biases in the data. Phil Fisher's approach was to go outside of the company. He would talk to the four biggest competitors of the company, and he would go and ask people at each competitor the strengths and weaknesses of the other companies. Channel checks are a way to go outside of the company to get additional information. Warren talked about channel checks in a few of his annual shareholder meetings, and here are some things that he has done in the past. He'd go and talk to vendors selling to the company. Maybe a vendor mentions that the company has been paying off their invoices later and later each quarter. That could be a red flag. Warren would go and talk to the CEOs of the competitors in the industry and ask each of them, who are the toughest competitors and who are the weakest competitors? He talked to former employees and he talked to big existing customers as well. Now remember, he used some good judgment here because former employees can be just pissed off because they got fired. So learning to read between the lines to get your own assessment is important. When you use channel checks, you're likely to get all sorts of information. And some of it may be conflicting information that's not super helpful. The key is to remain level-headed and understand what kind of sample size you're dealing with. For example, if the company has 50 total vendors and you go and talk to 40 of them and get positive reviews, that's great. If the company has 1,000 employees and you see 5 negative reviews on Glassdoor, you should take those negative reviews with a grain of salt. 
because that's a really small sample size. Now, Warren mentioned that channel checks should be the last 10 to 20% of your research on a company. And in most cases, he likes to use channel checks as a last sanity check. So let's say Warren does a ton of research on a company and he likes it. He would do some channel checks at the end of his research to see if there was any negative information that he missed in his financial analysis. Warren Buffett's way of using channel checks is to see if there's a strong reason not to invest. It's a last check that allows you to abort the investment if you see something fishy going on. One thing to remember is that the information you get from channel checks can be biased. So be careful about getting too excited about really great things that people say about the company. These channel checks that we've just discussed, Warren did them on Amex in the 1960s and he found that it was a great company with a strong brand. The brand was really viewed as having lots of financial integrity and the Amex Traveler's checks were a substitute for money around the world. The example Warren uses is when Roosevelt closed the banks. Roosevelt exempted Amex Traveler's checks. So that speaks to how credible the brand was. Let's dive in a bit more to see what else Warren liked about Amex before he pulled the trigger on buying the stock. Amex had a great competitive advantage. They had a strong brand and that would create a loyal customer base. In the 60s, Amex had a competitor that was called Diners Club. Diners Club is actually still around, but you've probably never heard of them. Diners Club was actually the first company to have an international credit card in the 50s, but their branding was not as strong. As an example, Diners Club used a cardboard credit card that looked cheap, while Amex had these sleek-looking plastic credit cards. The Amex credit cards were kind of like a status symbol. The Roman Guard logo and sleek credit card make customers feel like they were special. That was a good advantage over the Diners Club credit cards, which felt like cheap cardboard. The business model of Amex depended on the frequent spending of their cards by their customers. The company would then issue different premium discount rates that encouraged customers to keep using their cards. If customers kept coming back, then sales numbers would increase. And so this, together with a really solid, strong brand, created tons of loyal customers that loved American Express. Warren Buffett looks for when businesses have a loyal customer base since it allows the business to have better control over their prices. In episode 5 of the podcast, we talked about Charlie Munger, who is an amazing investor. So Charlie is credited with giving Warren Buffett the idea of investing in companies that have a strong brand name and a durable business moat. Before American Express, Warren used to invest in what he called cigar butt companies. Cigar butt companies are companies with no brand name and generally pretty poor prospects, but the stock price for them is so low that it's actually lower than the, their liquidation value, and Warren used to invest in these types of companies. Well, Charlie Munger taught Warren that it's better to invest in a great company at a fair price instead of a fair company at a great price. Warren's investment in American Express was the first time that he took such a big position with this investment philosophy. Before Amex, he would buy companies that would trade at less than book value. But Amex was the first investment where Warren was buying at over two times book value and more than 15 times earnings. So he was paying a very high price compared to what he used to pay in the past. By the way, his Amex investment was massive. It was something like 40% of his total portfolio. That's how convinced he was that this would be a good investment. 
Well, fast forward almost 50 years and he still holds that Amex position. And it's a really big, significant size of his portfolio. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a great day.